Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch. Just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Hey guys and gals, welcome to Monster X Radio. We've got a great show lined up for you this evening with some very special guests. Our topic for tonight and discussion will be on Project Zoobook. Project Zoobook is comprised of primatologists, zoologists, anthropologists, and other scientists who are working alongside Bigfoot researchers from across the country. Now, first up on the show is BFRO member and Sasquatch investigator, Amy Boo. Amy is the co-founder and the brains behind the project itself. Welcome to Monster X Radio, Amy. How are you doing this evening? Thank you so much. This is a long time coming, and we're all really excited about it. It's been a long time coming. It really has. And I'm just super stoked because this project has been years in the making now. It's getting bigger and bigger. You've really built something special in my book, and you've managed to get a lot of individuals interested in your idea, Amy. So, for the audience, can you tell them a little bit about yourself? And then we'll lead into how Project Zoobook came into fruition. Absolutely. I live in Ohio. I live in Youngstown, Ohio. And I got interested in the subject in 2012 when I saw something. Still not sure if it was a Sasquatch or not, but I had a possible sighting in Mahoning County. Since then, I do my own research. I um, talk to a lot of hunters and fishermen and I go around trying to find witnesses. I also take some reports for the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And I do a lot of things with kids through my ABLE organization, Amy's Bucket List Expedition. So that's just a little bit about me. I'm also a teacher and I am absolutely fascinated with the subject. And as far as Project Zoo Book, it, it still astounds me. I'm not sure what other word to use, but it came out of the blue. Um, I was just on one of the Bigfoot groups out on Facebook, and I saw a young lady who was asking some questions. Um, I'm making a very long story short here. And I reached out to her through Messenger, not knowing who she was or what she did, and found out a week or so later that she is um, a very special person. <laughs> and um she originally she was saying that she and her co-workers had 
a little lunch club where they would talk about Bigfoot and they would listen to podcasts, including Monster X, and they would read books about it and they were just really interested. And I thought that was really cool because, you know, it's not something you hear every day that a whole bunch of coworkers are into this. So I told her that I would um, be happy to take them out on an expedition sometime or an investigation or just you know, learn a little bit more together. And what happened was she ended up telling me that her coworkers and herself not only worked at a zoo, but that they work with primates and they are in fact primatologists. So I always say that, you know, after my, I picked my jaw up off the floor, <laughs> I, you know, my brain started working. I just, I, I just wasn't expecting that. You know, I, I didn't know what they did. I wasn't expecting that. And from there, we have just, like you said, grown and blossomed um, into this project that, into this brain trust we kind of call ourselves, where we have the best time discussing Sasquatch, discussing primates. I know tonight we're going to talk about a lot of the things that we've been doing, and it's just amazing. Isn't it fun? It's been a hoot, man. I'll tell you, it's one of the coolest things I've been involved with, and you invited me to join Project Zoo Book, and I'm very honored that you asked me and where this may lead. I don't know. I don't think any of us know where this may lead, but the one thing I do know that is we are... Uh, and especially you, Amy, are making this subject matter, the Sasquatch phenomena, less taboo than science. Uh, it's something that we talk about John Binnernagel, the late, great John Binnernagel. He always wanted to right. make the subject matter less taboo. Yeah, I remember you saying that early on, and we kind of just really wanted to take that idea that he had and run with it and, and keep it moving forward. And I know we're not the first group of scientists, you know, that have looked into this or um, you know, but we are a really cool one. <laughs> I love us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we yeah. keep growing. You know, every time we, we've, we've been under the radar because we talk a lot about how just because the zoologists and the primatologists and other scientists we have now are interested doesn't mean that their higher ups where they work are. And we want to make sure, first of all, that they're comfortable in what we're doing. Um, I know every single one of us involved in Zoobook has said, as long as we get to talk to these people, we'll personally be happy, <laughs> but, right. but we hope to someday, you know, share that, share what we've been doing, share what we've been talking about. And this is a, this call tonight, this podcast is just very exciting to me because it's a start, you know, out there doing that. And, and we've, we've added people. We've had people that have come to us now, scientists that have come to us, college professors and when I hear other people saying you know science doesn't want anything to do with Sasquatch I really beg to differ and you by the way were one of the first people I thought about when I met her you know the original primatologist because obviously you know I've been interested for about seven years now it was less time at the time and I know that I don't know all there is to know you know nobody does but I knew that I wanted to introduce them to other people that had other experiences across the United States. And I wanted them to get to the people that I felt were the best of the best as far as researchers. And you are 
absolutely up there on the top of my list. And I also wanted to make sure um, as the mama bear in me that I kept them away from, you know, different, oh, I don't know how to say it, some different um, ideas and things that I thought might hurt them. You know, um, in the world of Bigfoot, you just really need to be careful a little bit. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't bring anybody to them that I felt would do a disservice to them. Hopefully that makes sense. But that, you were yeah. I on my wish list. I appreciate that, Amy. That's that's very kind of you. And I, I totally get what you're saying when it comes, you know, you don't want to bring people into into this field that really don't know much about it. They have an interest, whether they're listening to a podcast or watching a TV show or knew somebody that had an encounter, something of that nature. You don't want to bring them into, this is a cutthroat field. There's a lot of uh, animosity and all that. I mean, it's not just with Sasquatch. It's human nature. So right. I, you've done a fantastic job there, I think. And you brought in a lot of great people. I want you to talk about some of those individuals here shortly and bring on some of our other guests. But real quick, I know recently you've done a couple of TV spots in your local area out there in Ohio and whatnot. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then we'll, we'll bring on our other guests and you can mention some of the other individuals that are a part of this group. Absolutely. No, sure. It's just, it's been funny because, you know, I've been traveling a lot this last couple of years, especially, and a lot of that has blossomed out of Project Zoo Book. You know, I've, it's kind of beyond my wildest dreams, the things that I've been able to do just from that initial friendship, you know, that I, that I had with this primatologist. And so I just count my blessings every day. But I was excited because I finally got to do something in my own backyard, you know, and um, I've been doing a lot of work with Metro Parks around here in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, you know, just trying to get the community together. So that's all that's been about is, you know, trying to get people interested and come out to the different parks. And if Bigfoot will do that, then that makes me happy, especially with the kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's get into some of the uh, members of Project Zoobook. We have a few of them with us this evening. Uh, do yeah. you want to talk a little bit about some of the members uh, that are currently a part of Project Zoobook? Sure. Well, believe the first person that I told after I started talking to this young lady and especially after she told me what she did was my very good friend um, and research partner Tina Sams and you know like she's who I tell everything to I have two really good friend research partners and they're both with us tonight they're both core members of um, Project Zoobook and um, that's Tina Sam's and David Wickham, but Tina, I was just like, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe this. And every time a new scientist or a new person wants to get involved, we just kind of stare at each other and we're like, can you believe this? It's so exciting to us. So yeah, I want to introduce her now and kind of see what her take was when I first told her about this and, and what her thoughts are about it since then. Hello, Tina. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. I know you're, you know, you're besties with Amy here and, and you're one of her go-to individuals. You're obviously a core member of the Project Zoo Book. Tina, what's been your experience with Project Zoo Book? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I'm also from Youngstown, Ohio. I live not far from Amy. 
as far as being interested in the subject, I always say um, I kind of grew up in a family that was very open to this stuff. And it was probably like 10 or 11 years old before I realized other people didn't sit around at Christmas and talk about like Bigfoot and stuff. So it's pretty much been a part of my life altogether. And Amy and I have been research partners and good friends for about six years now, I think. And uh, when this whole Project Zoo book came about, um, each step of the way, the only way that I could really explain it, it was kind of mind-blowing. Right, Amy? Absolutely, yes. Good, good words. I always jokingly say that every time she would text me about a new contact that she made, most of my texts back to her were the same two words, and that was shut up, because <laughs> it was just... <laughs> it was just amazing to see, you know, the scientific community and the Sasquatch community come together with the open minds and that that this group of people that she's brought together have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's really extraordinary when I think of the members, the individuals she's brought aboard here, and then uh, those individuals outside of the, the Sasquatch world that have jumped aboard. You know, some are here and there. Others are really both feet in. Amy, uh, who else do we have here tonight? We also have David Wickham, again, a dear friend of mine, one of the best researchers out there. If I had to pick the best researcher from Ohio, I would pick him. And he was, you know, I don't know if it was Tina or David I told first, one or the other, maybe both at the same time. But um, he, you know, he jumped in with both feet. He, they've both been so helpful and um, I'll let David introduce himself because his background is really cool when it comes to Project Zoo Book. Hello, everybody. Hey, welcome, Hi, David. Hey, welcome, Taters. <laughs> yeah, that's that's first off. There's, I always found that uh, there's too many Davids in the Bigfoot world, so I graciously got that nickname, and uh, it's kind of stuck, and I, I kind of enjoy it now. So, uh, but no, Amy and I have uh, followed a path and it was something where we kind of uh, looked around and was doing our you know, research in the area. And then uh, she uh, gave me a call about uh, this uh, opportunity. I think I was actually hosting a BFRO uh, expedition around that same time. So I was busy with organizing and and doing the, some of the field work to uh, make it a successful uh, expedition. Uh, I'm also a BFRO investigator, been there in there for about five years. Uh, the other part, I'm a, a, a physical therapist, I've been practicing for about 28 years. So the idea of, of uh, footprints and, and locomotion and uh, things like Dr. Meldrum lectures on, I just really enjoy, and I, he talks my language when, when he's up there lecturing. So, so those were all fun, but um, I've just been uh, truly excited and motivated by Amy, and uh, every time we've had uh, opportunities to grow, we've been blessed. The One of the really cool things, guys, is that I got to meet you, David and Tina and Amy, at Beachfoot, Todd Nisa's event held in Oregon, in Alsea, Oregon, and uh, that was that was such a pleasure. You guys put on a presentation that was well, well received. You know, real quick, Amy, I know we've talked about this a little bit on the show in the past, but your experience coming out to Oregon at Todd Nisa's Beachfoot event, having 
you know, kind of a, a good amount of us there as part of the core group. How did that go? And what were your thoughts on that? Well, that was so special. And before I answer the rest of that, I think I wanted to say too, that I think Taters is the one that came up with the name Project Zoo Book. Because we at first were like, oh, you know, we just thought it was going to be us talking to each other. And then it kept growing. And we're like, well, maybe we need a name. And uh, just anyway, I thought that was a cool name. It was kind of a take on Project Blue Book since we needed to be a little private. <laughs> but anyway, as far as going out there, man, that was the most fun ever. Um, I'd like Tina to talk a little bit more about how when she and I, we went to the zoo that our, our core primatologist, we have a lot more scientists that come in and out of Project Zoo Book and that are involved, but we have like a little core group. And um, when we first met them, it was amazing. So I think she could speak to that too. But when we all then got to go out to see Todd and Diane and go out to Beachfoot and just have that fellowship out there, really get to know each other because a lot of our communication is over the phone, you know, and, and throw ideas to each other. And I know that the primatologists, you're going to be talking to them on another um, podcast sometime, but they still talk about the moment when we were all kind of sitting there at our campsite and then the Olympic project members, including you walk across the, walk across the field to us. And it was like, Oh, you know, <laughs> you were all researchers that we really admired. And it was just so cool to meet in person and other times since then. That was phenomenal. I, I will never forget that day. Just me, you guys even, uh, you know, from across the country. But yeah, like you said, Tina's got a few things to share here. I'd love for Tina to talk about the initial meeting with some of those zoologists and her experience there. And by the way, thanks for bringing me the fishing poles at uh, Beachfoot. I you bet. It. <laughs> I, I, I never leave home without it. It's like a credit card. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, when Amy and I decided to um, drive out and meet them in person, I remember it was almost like going on a blind date, huh, Amy? And we were saying to each other, well, what if we don't have anything to talk about? And what if they don't right. like us? And what if it's like dead silence? And and so there was, there, we just kind of worried all the way up there. And uh, when we got there, it just flowed. I, it was so natural. And they were so interested in what we did. And we were so interested in what they did. And pretty amazed, actually, how open they were to the possibility of this happening. And, and something else that really struck me was their relationship with the primates at the zoo. It, it was, it, it's almost magical, the interaction between them. We've learned so much about, about large primates and more than I ever even knew that there was to learn. And there's still so much more, but that's what's so special about it is we're not just, you know, trying to share what we do with them but they're sharing what they do with us and it's just so much fun it really is a lot of what we do is talk about that the similarities and differences and can we come up with any aha moments that that um can help you know in sasquatch research it's been a real eye-opener for myself i'm sure i can speak for many others when it comes to some of the uh, things that these these individuals have shared with us, uh, mm -hmm. not just the zookeepers, but also some of the other individuals with different academic backgrounds. Some of the things that they've shared, the conversations have been 
right. not just awe-inspiring, but very, very interesting. I've taken a lot of notes. I'm sure many of you guys have as well. Yeah. And it's uh, expanded from there. And, and one of the really interesting and cool things that we got to do this year was bringing out uh, the zookeepers out here to the Pacific Northwest out to our nest site location where we've been studying it for the last three and a half, four years. So that was, that was phenomenal. You know, we can delve into that a little bit later. Now we talked a little bit about individuals that are here tonight. They're going to be speaking with us. I know we have another one that's going to be joining us here shortly, but who else do we have in the mix here? Do you find a value, Amy, that's a part of this group? And are you uh, looking to expand it in a broader sense, or do you like the number, the, the, the small group that we have now? Well, you know, that's kind of up in the air, but it's, we love our core group. We really do. And, and when you have a lot of people, you know, talking, um, you want to make sure everybody has their voice. So what we've been doing a lot lately is having kind of guests come on to our conference calls. Um, we have had Laura Krantz from her Wild Thing podcast. We have had Darby Orcutt, a professor at North Carolina State, come on. We've had witnesses come on, hunters tell us what, what they've seen, and all of it has been fantastic. I know that I'm, I myself, in talking to our two main primatologists, we've had Dr. Meldrum on a few times, and he's said he's eager to join in again. We have another anthropologist from over at another zoo and some other primatologists that are interested that we need to come on. I just got a marine biologist who contacted me, you know, so it goes on and on and on. So I think <laughs> that the sky's the limit as far as scientists, you know, joining us and learning from each other. It's just, we kind of have our core group and then we have concentric circles, I always say, of people and it's kind of fluid that way. But the more the merrier people to, I even had an entomologist contact me. We have yet to have him on a call with us. Um, and like you said, it's not just calls. We also, you know, have gotten together and, and trying to do research. It's just that we're spread apart quite a bit, but we're, we're doing and we're writing and, you know, we're, we're looking at getting together some scholarly articles and getting um, more zoos involved. But you had said something before about some of the things we had talked about. And I know that Taters and I were talking a little bit ago, you know, before we started this conversation tonight about something that really struck him. And I was wondering if he would want to share that so that the listeners could get a taste of some of the types of things that we've talked about. Right. Uh, thanks, Amy. I, uh, when we started making, logging in for the uh, conference call and Shane's always helping with uh, kind of getting that together with a phone number we call in and, and uh, we start talking about what we're doing and there were maybe some research things that we've either went out and had some docs or, or, or something like that. Uh, the conversation at the time I was in one, one of the groups I was in uh, had a discussion where they thought they had a report where an actual uh, Sasquatch had gotten hit and that there was possibly a body uh, that was uh, maybe uh, able to be um, gathered. And they were trying to figure out if it was real or not, if, and if did we had, did they have somebody in the area that could get there or contact, you know, state patrol to find out if this was actually something that happened. 
And so that kind of led the discussion that night of, of what we would do if we did have a, a, uh, a opportunity to uh, harvest, uh, collect samples from a, a body. And I, I was thinking that the uh, discussion was going to go a whole different way, you know, uh, contact Dr. Meldrum, collect a finger, collect a you know, tooth or something like that. But it ended up uh, going right to the primatologist about like what happens when a gorilla or a primate in, under their care uh, gets sick and dies uh, prematurely and what the steps that they have to go through. And they kind of talked about how they, you know, do a biopsy and make sure that everything is okay with the clan that's uh, in captivity there. And they isolate everybody. And then they sent out a memo with the other zoos and just to let them know what's going on. So it's kind of, you know, the whole world kind of knows what's going on in the zoo world. And then after everything is all clear, maybe there's a natural cause, then what they said that they do is they put it in an isolated room and they have all the members that are associated with that uh, primate have an opportunity to come in. And it was just, it, it just kind of took my breath away because they, the reaction that they had was kind of like, they didn't know what was going on. They would go over and slap it and hit it and yell at it and kind of come on, let's go play. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, you're ignoring me. So they got a little angry and a little bit more pushy and, and, and a little bit more forceful. And then all of a sudden there was this click and they started realizing that there's a possibility that they weren't uh, with them anymore. And so then there was a lot more um, soft cooing, um, hugging, uh, kind of curling up against them and, and kind of like uh, uh, caressing the, the head or hair. And, and then all of a sudden they just kind of walked away. And that was it. That was done. And they accepted that it would, had passed on. And, and they had told one story about a, a uh, I think it was a chimpanzee that had been raised in, in some captivity and had been surrendered and implement, uh, introduced into the, uh, the group uh, successfully, but still carried a, a uh, small stuffed animal around as a kind of like a whoopie. And when she passed away, um, one of her BFFs, her, her friends that would, uh, the other uh, chimp in the, in the uh, exhibit came in and did kind of went through the process. And then before she left, she ended up taking the uh, uh, small pet stuffed animal out with her and kind of kept it as a memento. And for me, I guess there was an epitome, whereas uh, a lot of times one of the biggest questions we get asked as Bigfoot researchers is, is where's the body? Where's the body? And we go into the natural causes of animals and decomposing and, and nature and the soil and everything like that. And for me, it just hit whereas when someone that passes away in our family, how, how we process it, take it to the funeral home and then have a funeral and then a, a, a day uh, where we bury them, we have ceremony. And that the uh, primates who are really close, you know, relatives of ours, they go through a grieving process and they finally uh, accept it and move on. Uh, that we, if we feel that Bigfoot or Sasquatch is something similar or in between us, that they themselves would identify a need to grieve. And so the process of, of removing a body from a, a roadside or a landslide uh, to a, a place where if they were individual clan, they would be able to have a moment uh, and then whatever they would do with the body at that point, it really just hit me as a, a possible explanation. And it, it gave me some um, uh, 
an answer to a question that has really uh, been doggled us a lot. I think that's fantastic. Tina, did you want to talk about what you um, thought was really interesting? I remember we were talking about something too that struck you. We all had kind of aha moments. Yeah, um, I think the thing that I thought was that was very interesting in the um, chimpanzee world, when babies are born, they have a white spot on their bottom end. And we, had, we were all standing there with them and we were looking at them and one of the primatologists told us that baby chimps have this mark for up to five years. And when they have this mark, it is a sign to the entire clan that this chimp is off limits. So basically, from zero to five years old, they could get away with whatever they want, any kind of shenanigans amongst the other primates in their exhibit. And nobody's allowed to discipline them. Nobody's allowed to get angry at them. But the minute that that white spot disappears, the zookeeper said that it was a free-for-all. <laughs> I just thought that was really interesting that they all knew and abided by that, you know, and it, just, it was just something that I thought was really cool. That was interesting. And I remember we talked about that there have been a few reports, you know, in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, especially, and Northwest Pennsylvania, there are several reports of white, like all white Bigfoot. But there have also been some reports that there have been like a white spot or whatever. And so I remember thinking, huh, I mean, not that it has to have anything to do with it, but those are the type of things that we start thinking about and looking into and we'll dig into reports, you know, and different databases and stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, can we, can we verify that? But I know that another um, person, since we were just talking about Beachfoot, I think we should bring Todd in. Because he's Todd another Neese. really important member. And he's somebody I called pretty quickly too. I called you and Derek. I called Todd, a few other researchers that I was like, hey, I want you to talk to these really cool people that I found. And man, you have been great, Todd. Thank you. It's, um, I'm honored to be uh, part of this project. Well, Todd, you know, uh, you've been involved with the Sasquatch phenomenon for uh, many years and you've done a lot of great things and been around the block a lot. Now this new endeavor, this new collaboration with Project Zubuk comes along and you're now involved with that. How's that worked out for you? And what are your thoughts going forward with Project Zubuk? Well, you know, it's interesting and, I'm, and thank you for asking. I mean, I was uh, one of the founders and uh, another project known as SHARE and the concept being trying to bridge that gap between amateur researchers and scientists. And we knew that in order to do that, it wasn't a matter of getting scientists to lower their credentials to what the amateurs were doing, but rather to elevate the amateurs to uh, look at what is required scientifically to get these creatures credibility and uh, it was just fortuitous that uh, Project Zuba came along when it did because here we had a ready-made uh, albeit spontaneous group of people both scientists and amateurs that both shared an interest in the subject 
and we're able to kind of make that initial bridge. So I, I'm honored to be a part of that, to have some, not just uh, zoologists, but primatologists come on board the way they did. Uh, and I'm sure Amy can vouch for this. It was, it was a, a fairly spontaneous thing once everybody knew what, where everybody's heads were at. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited about it. You know, in a way, we've made a link without necessarily uh, uh, fleshing out all the details. But uh, it, now it's great to have, you know, Amy and Tina and Taters and Dee and others along board and yourself as well. And I just I'm just excited about where it's going. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's been a godsend and, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Another thing that I love about it, besides the scientists involved and the academics and everything, I love that it's brought together so many Bigfoot researchers because mm -hmm. I know this, this is kind of silly to say, but there's always kind of the um, East Coast versus West Coast thing out there. You know, you would think, you would think we're some gangsters or something, but um, <laughs> I, think, I think that it's awesome to be able to, you know, we can see each other at conferences, we can, you know, travel to see each other for fun, which is awesome, but to be working on something together makes me really happy. I'm going to jump in here with, with, uh, with Todd and, and Beachfoot and Diane. Uh, what an amazing conference that you have out there, and when we came out there, we were kind of looking at each other, just getting to know us, and you open up your uh, format there and, and allowed us to have an opportunity to get our feet underneath uh, ourselves and and I wanted to add to what the magic of Beachfoot is uh, Amy and Tina kind of took a little bit of that and created something that we call Creekfoot here in Ohio and it's the second year uh, and it's under the same pretense of a family reunion or Bigfoot reunion uh, outside of uh, what Zoobook is and I want I want Todd to to uh, take a bow because it's really because of his vision uh, we're able to take some of that West Coast harmony and bring it over here to all uh, the East Coast. Amen. Well, I, I'll tell you, it's, uh, you know, when Amy asked that, and I, I, I totally respect the fact that that she approached me with the concept of Creekfoot, and, and uh, I mean, that's rare in this field, you know. Um, they say plagiarism is the greatest form of uh, flattery, but uh, in uh, Amy's defense, she did come up and say, look, we love what you're doing here. We just love to do it back there. And I said, by all means, you know, I don't, you know, we're not in competition. And that's the thing that, that unfortunately gets missed in a lot of what's going on in, in the Bigfoot field is people see other people who are striving to, you know, get that, you know, holy grail, if it is, if you will, that, uh, you know, they see each other as competitors, and it, get, it can get political at times, and but that's all right. I mean, truth of the matter is, um, what they're doing is is fantastic, and I wish them the best of luck over there with that, and and I wish well, them well. We appreciate that but, because we just we we never aspire to be Beachfoot. We just wanted to be like a little baby one over here. <laughs> well, and we you know that's so much. Realize that we're all in this together, and we've got to cooperate. 
if we're going to come to a conclusion about what what this what we're dealing with i'll be honest with you it doesn't matter if it's sasquatch it doesn't matter if it's fishing hiking race car sports people love the bicker it's the human nature as we discussed earlier it's not just with the sasquatch phenomenon um, over the years, yes, because of social media, it's gotten worse and worse, right? I mean, everybody now has a say and they can post what they want and they can be an expert, though there are no experts in this field, but they can be online, right? Well, what I found with Project Zoobook, uh, one of the really cool things, and this is why I love to be a part of, uh, of the Olympic Project. Within the Olympic Project, there's no bickering. Uh, everybody's on the same page. Everybody gets along. Not everybody agrees all the time, but we do get along and we mesh minds and come up with ideas and elaborate upon that. And with Z Project Zoobook, I found the same sort of family, same sort of setup. One of the things also that I've learned through this project, through some of the individuals involved, is the similarities, I mean, extreme similarities in a lot of fashions, a lot of ways between known primates and the Sasquatch phenomenon. That has been a real eye-opener. It really adds value to some of my ideas and some of my opinions. The greatest thing about Project Zoo Book is the open ear. It's not a closed wall, it's not a closed door. There's individuals out there in the science realm that are willing to listen to what we've obtained in, in the work that we've done and some of our ideas. And to me, that's, that's the greatest thing about Project Zoobook is the open ear. Here's where it's kind of critical is that there's a lot of amateur, and I count myself among them, um, field researchers that go out in the field and try different things, you know, uh, Operation Sea Monkey, um, trying to employ both conventional and unconventional means because, you know, that's all we have, but try to come up with different ideas. Whereas somebody that, that may have, you know, the sheepskin, so to speak, are dedicated to whatever discipline, the scientific discipline they're involved in. In, in the in, in more of a quote unquote reality aspect of of known primates versus field workers that are out there amateurs as it may be they're doing something and we're collecting things they, you know people like chris spencer and and you and derek and and uh so many others jelly people that are spending time out there and collaborating and like I say, everybody brings something to the cause. Right. One of our first conversations that we had on ZooBook, we were talking about uh, behaviors that we experienced in the, in the field, uh, rock clacks or rocks being thrown at us or wood knocks. And uh, it was something that uh, Amy and I have both had experiences on and uh, have uh, either recorded or uh, have had uh, opportunities to be out in the field. And then all of a sudden, the uh, primatologists were, oh, well, this means this. And this is what, the, when the great apes do this, this is their behavior, their mood. And I think that the one story, and someone can elaborate a little bit more, but the rocks being thrown, there was one tree that this, these uh, researchers for the primates were watching, and they were throwing rocks at this particular tree. 
and they found the all whole pile of rocks at the bottom of the tree and they don't know why but this one clan seems to not like this tree and uh they were talking about how uh things like smiles or clenching the teeth uh might be a sign of, of nervousness from a primate or, or a grade eight right which, uh, occasionally we'll have oh. witnesses that have said that they've seen uh, a figure look at them and smile and they thought oh what a you know friendly smile but uh, <laughs> from the primatologist standpoint that's uh be careful watch your back and anything can happen yeah. at this point that's a danger zone that was like i think the first conversation that we had and there were just so many light bulbs going off uh, of what we were seeing and what they were they know uh by uh, being around these marvelous creatures in the zoo just how close that for the uh, two species could be you know you talk about smiling i don't know if it's smiling or grimacing but whatever it is i think it shows where it looks like they're grinning and and uh in essence they're they're kind of grimacing if you will it's like okay game on that's um, exactly what the zoologist said tina did you want to say something that you learned from zoo book well, actually, what I wanted to say, and I'm not sure if we kind of touched on this, but a lot of um, the scientific end of Zoo Book is all because of, first I wanted to say, because of Amy's hustle. And Amy has this gift of reaching out to people. And I don't think that we touched on the fact that these people didn't jump in 100%. <laughs> I'm 100% Bigfoot, and I want in on this. But Amy seen something in them or reached out to them. And once they came over, they, they're, you know, very skeptical with a healthy amount of skepticism. But they listen and they're intrigued. And by the end of these um, conference calls that we have, they're interested and, and they want to be part of it. And so I, don't, I just don't know if we touched on the fact that they weren't, you know, 100% into the Sasquatch thing. But it's awesome that they're they were open to it and are now involved in this project. That is a fantastic point, Tina, and I'm glad you brought that up because Project Zoo Book it's a bit of a magnet that uh, Amy's created. It's a bit of a magnet because of the logic behind it, the premise, the ideas, and how it's been presented. And, and Amy's done a fantastic job. I did want to say something though that I I, I didn't touch upon earlier enough that. Working with the zookeepers specifically, and we're going to have them on a show down the road here uh, when they're willing and able. And I know they're willing. It's more because of their schedules that they're able. But some of the similarities between some of the stuff that we've all experienced here as, as a group and with our experiences and everything else, the similarities between what they're working with, with known primates, both with gorillas and chimpanzees and bonobos, you name it. The similarities were really shocking to me. And that was one of the things that really interested me. Amy, I believe Project Zoobook's new. It's, it's refreshing and it's something different. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's different. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm newer than a lot of you out there in the field, but I've done my homework, you know, looking into things like this. Um, I think it's different just for the scope of it. Um, I think it's different for the people involved, really, really solid researchers on the Sasquatch side, really solid scientists and, and different ones, you know, like, I, I can't remember if I already said this, but 
we had an entomologist um, interested, so like an expert in mosquitoes, and you know, it's like like all these different people that you know you would never think would have an interest in Bigfoot. So I might be a little biased, but I think it's pretty special. And I just want to say I I appreciate all of the uh, kind words that you have all said about me. But man, it wouldn't be anything without our team. You know, it's just been the biggest pleasure to work with all of you and the scientists, every last one of them. And I, I just, I just pinch myself every day. I think whenever we have one of our talks and, or, or we do something in the field, I just can't help smiling because it's just such a positive thing. And I learned so, so, so much. And I will always be grateful for that. Amy, I, all I got to say is you rock. You built this. I, Please don't stop. Keep going. The light's at the end of the tunnel. I do believe that. So well done. Thank you. And well done to all of us. But thank you. I, I do work really hard on it, but it is absolutely my pleasure. I would say kudos to Lester. You know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, man, we, we, yeah. you know, hats off to him for allowing his, his wife to, you know, get out there and do what she's got to do. You know, and, and on the same token, my wife, Diane, you know, I have, I, since I retired from the Army in May, I, it'd be interesting to go across the calendar and figure out how many days I've been at home versus uh, in, in the field. But, uh, you know, she supports me. So her and Lester have a little bit in common, you know. So right about that. I, she's, I, I she's, owe him so much. I just want to thank everybody that joined the show tonight. I want to thank Amy Boo, David Wickham, aka Taters, Tina Passenek Sams, <laughs> and Todd Neese for jumping in on the show tonight to talk about Project Zoo Book, talk about some of the exciting stuff that has been worked on. And you know what? This is a work in progress. It's a book, Project Zoo book, right? Uh, but this book's not been written yet. So this book is very much uh, unfinished. We'll see where it goes. Amy's working on big things. Well, part two, with some of the actual zookeepers that are part of this project, and we'll get their insight into what they do, into their interest with Sasquatch. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining, everybody.
Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 